Today's show is sponsored by Sambucol. There's nothing more important than taking care of yourself. If you're not feeling your best, it's hard to be your best. Sambucol offers powerful immune support with nature's superfruit, black elderberry. My neighbor was the first person to tell me about black elderberry. She loves it so much that she even advertises elderberry on a sign in her front lawn. Nothing makes her feel better, she says. And Sambucol makes taking elderberry easy. I've been trying the elderberry gummies. They are extremely tasty. They almost taste like a dessert. I just add them to the vitamins that I take every morning. If you want to give it a try, you can get 15% off your order of $9.99 or more at sambucolusa.com. When you're there, use the promo code BITTERSWEET15. That's sambucol, spelled S-A-M-B-U-C-O-L, sambucolusa.com. And use the code BITTERSWEET15. Now, on to the show. I'm Katie Sewell, and this is A Bittersweet Moment with Tiffany Parks. Hello, and welcome to The Bittersweet Life. I'm Tiffany Parks, and this is your midweek bittersweet moment. If you've been listening to this show for a while, you may know that I, in addition to being a writer and a podcaster, am also a tour guide of Rome, a part-time tour guide. And I generally only do private tours for people who come to me often organically through the podcast, friends of friends, people who have uh, recommended me through other tours that they've been on, people who've read my books. It's really wonderful because I often get the opportunity to take people to places that if I were doing big group tours, I wouldn't get to go to very often. So you won't see me at the Vatican Museums or at the Colosseum, but sometimes I get a group of people, a family usually, who says, you know, we really want to see this particular thing, or we want to see off the beaten track places, or we want to see churches, we want to see mosaics, and I get the opportunity to create a tour from scratch for their particular requests. So that was sort of the case. A couple of days ago, I took a family through Rome. A couple of them had been to Rome before. And so I wanted to make sure that I wasn't just hitting all of those top sites, but also some places that were not quite as common for for people visiting Rome. And as we were wandering through the churches, because we visited several churches on this tour, I had to stop. And I even said it out loud to them. I said, can you believe that in, in Rome... There's so much art that you can just see for free. There are many artistic cities in the world. There are many cities with amazing art collections. But how many of them have their art collection literally scattered around the city to see for free in churches at any time? And that's one of the wonderful things about Rome. There are so many incredible works of art from frescoes to sculptures to mosaics in the churches. So I thought I would start a little mini-series of bittersweet moments of mini-episodes on some of the works of art that you can see in Rome for free. And I'm going to be organizing this by the type of art. So today I'm going to talk about paintings, mostly frescoes, but also some oil paintings that you can see in Rome for free 
in a church. So I'm going to go in chronological order here, and I'm going to start with San Clemente. Now, San Clemente is a church that's most famous for the ancient ruins underneath it, the ruins of an ancient Mithraeum, as well as a, a Roman domus. And there are a lot of very interesting archaeological finds there. But in the upper church, the top layer, there are also some incredible works of Renaissance art, and particularly you'll find them in the Branda Chapel. This chapel was frescoed by the great artist Mazzolino, the great early Renaissance artist. His contemporary Masaccio, who he often worked with, may also have collaborated on this work of art on this chapel, but, but we don't know that for sure. What I do know is that it's very rare to find works of fresco from this period, from the first quarter of the 15th century in Rome. As you probably know, the Renaissance really takes off in Florence. And so early Renaissance work you're usually going to find in Florence or in Tuscany in general. You don't get a lot of Renaissance frescoes in the Roman churches until at least halfway through the century. So this is quite rare. So the frescoes in the Branda Chapel were done in 1427 or around that time. And they all, almost all, are depicting scenes from the life of St. Catherine of Alexandria. What's even possibly more exciting is that they have preserved the original cartoons that were used by Mazzolino to create these frescoes. The process of frescoing involves having to create preparatory sketches called cartoons in order to sort of make the work go faster. It's a very complex process. And the cartoons of some of these frescoes are framed and on the wall outside of the chapel. You can't go into the chapel, unfortunately. There is a gate in front of it, but you can easily see the frescoes through the gate. So if you do go to, to San Clemente, Obviously, you're going to go down and look at the archaeological part, but don't forget in the upper church, in the Branda Chapel, which is the first on the left, to see the works by Mazzolino, because they are so rare here in Rome. Jumping forward a little bit, at the Santi Dodici Apostoli Church near Piazza Venezia, you can find works by two great also pretty early Renaissance artists, Melozzo da Forlì and Antoniazzo Romano. Antoniazzo Romano, his name is not that well known, but he actually has the distinction of being the very first Renaissance painter in Rome, which is how he gets that epithet Romano at the end of his name. I personally think his works are really wonderful. My favorite works by Antoniazzo Romano can be seen also for free, but only once a year on March 9th at um, the Tor de Specchi convent which is definitely worth the wait. If you're ever in Rome in March, try to go see that, if it's open, of course, because the last two years it has not been. But generally they do open it up because it's still a working monastery, and they open it up on March 9th just for visitors to be able to come see those those frescoes. But but back to Santi Dorici Apostoli, what's fascinating about the frescoes in that chapel is that they were hidden for centuries. They were created in 1464 in the Bessarione Chapel. They were covered up, basically, in the 1700s when a new chapel was built. Luckily, they weren't destroyed, but they were not exactly walled up, but they disappeared behind a new set of walls. Parts of them have been destroyed by flooding. Parts of them have been taken away to be placed elsewhere, but some of them still do remain 
I'm going to be perfectly honest here. This is the only place, um, this is the only work of art that I'm going to talk about in this mini episode that I actually haven't seen. One of those places that I've, I've been meaning to go visit, but I just haven't actually done it. So I can't tell you exactly how to visit, but I know it is possible to visit these frescoes. You might need to ask someone at the church for help. Thirdly, we have Santa Maria in Araceli, which is that beautiful church at the top of this enormous staircase on the Capitoline Hill, right next to the Capitoline Museums. You've probably seen it if you've been in Rome. You may not have gone inside because it is definitely a track to climb up those nearly 200 steps to get to the church, but it is so worth it because this medieval church has really retained a lot of its medieval character. You'll find there the Bufalini Chapel, which was frescoed in 1486 by Pinturicchio, uh, and he painted scenes from the life of St. Bernardino di Siena. You may have come across the frescoes of Pinturicchio in the Borgia apartment in the Vatican Museums. Absolutely incredible rooms. Some people say that the Bufalini Chapel uh, is even of a higher artistic level than the, um, the Borgia apartment itself, and it's free to visit. So make sure if you're in that part of Rome, climb the stairs. It's well worth it just to see these Pinturicchio frescoes. At Santa Maria Sopra Minerva, which is actually where I was the other day when I had this thought, you'll find the Carafa Chapel with frescoes by Filippino Lippi. He is another Florentine artist, and he really only came to Rome for this one project. And there are no other works in churches by Filippino Lippi, so that alone makes it pretty unusual. The frescoes were done in 1488, and they're so beautiful because well, one in particular, the Assumption of Mary, it's such an unusual depiction of that, that scene. In the Assumption of Mary, you know, you'll usually have some kind of image of the Virgin Mary floating up magically, maybe having angels help her along the way to get into heaven. But this particular one, it has all of that, but it also has a group of angels, each one playing a different instrument. So you've got an angel playing the trombone, an angel playing the triangle, one playing a drum, and several others. And it's just such a celebration of art and music, a great coming together of art and music, even though you have to imagine the music. It nevertheless, I think, is a multi-sensory work of art. It was also recently restored, so the colors are just absolutely bright and vivid, one thing I do want to mention when visiting Santa Maria Sopra Minerva, if you go to the front of the church where the lovely little Elefantino statue is, you can't get in that way. You have to go to the back of the church. And it's, 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 a, it's about a five-minute walk because you have to go all the way around this huge block and in through the back. So just keep that in mind when you're visiting. It might look like it's closed, but it's actually open. And the whole church was recently restored. There's also a fresco in there by Antoniazzo Romano, who I mentioned earlier, uh, but when I was there the other day, that part of the church wasn't available to visit. I don't know if that was just that particular day or if they're still working on restorations of the church. But just keep that in mind. You might not be able to see that fresco. But the Filippino Lippi is absolutely available. At Santa Maria della Pace, which is not far from Piazza Navona, you can find some frescoes by Raphael. Now, this church, up until maybe five years ago, was very, very difficult to visit. It was only open on Wednesday mornings. 
Now that is no longer the case. This church is open, I think, all day. I don't even, I don't even think they close in the middle of the day. Every single time I pass this church, it's open. At least it has been lately when I've been going by. So um, there's really no excuse not to visit it, especially with its proximity to Piazza Navona and so many other important tourist attractions. In this church, you'll find, and it's a very tiny little church, so it's very easy to find, the Kiji Chapel. It's the first thing on your right-hand side as soon as you walk in. And there is a beautiful fresco of the Sibyls, the Cumaean Sibyl, the Persian Sibyl, the Phrygian Sibyl, and the Tiburtine Sibyl. Um, very similar to the Sibyls that Michelangelo had painted just a few years before in the Sistine Chapel. Um, this fresco is from 1514. The Sistine Chapel was completed in 1512. So a lot of art historians believe that Raphael, having been so blown away by the Sistine Chapel, at that point in his career starts emulating Michelangelo's style. And it, it, you really, it really is very, very similar. And you start to see a break between Raphael's earlier style, much more feminine, much more graceful figures, and more of an influence of the more Michelangelo style of very brawny, burly, muscular women, but nevertheless beautiful. This has also been recently restored. It was restored to be finished in time for the 500th anniversary of Raphael's death, which occurred just two years ago in 2020. He died in 1520. Now we're going to skip ahead nearly 100 years. We're going to leave our frescoes behind and go straight to oil painting at San Luigi dei Francesi, which if you're a Caravaggio fan like Katie and myself, you will already know about. The Contarelli Chapel, which is the last chapel on the left-hand side, features not one, not two, but three paintings by our beloved Caravaggio, all depicting the life of St. Matthew. If you come to Rome without seeing the Contarelli Chapel, in my opinion, it's kind of like going to Paris and not going to the Louvre, or worse, going to the Louvre and not seeing the Mona Lisa, except the crowds aren't nearly as bad. So do yourself a favor, see some of the most amazing art ever created, in my humble opinion, in my very biased opinion, and visit San Luigi dei Francesi. Uh, it is also very close to Piazza Navona. You can easily go to that church and Santa Maria della Pace in the same sort of afternoon. The frescoes, Caravaggio's frescoes, are dated to between 1598 and 1602. Not far away in Santa Maria del Popolo, we have some more frescoes by Caravaggio and one by his contemporary artist, Caracci. So Caravaggio paints the martyrdom of St. Peter, and the conversion of St. Paul, while Caracci paints the Assumption. And they're all in the same chapel, the, Cira the, the Cirazi Chapel, which is, again, the very last one on the left-hand side, right by the high altar. All three of these paintings were done between 1600 and 1601. If you are a diehard Caravaggio fan like myself, you will not appreciate the Caracci one nearly as much, especially with the comparison right next to Caravaggio. But Caracci is remembered as one of the most important painters of his generation. So that is definitely not to be missed. By the way, there are also some Pinturicchio paintings in that church that often get ignored because of the Caravaggio. Those are in the first chapel on the right-hand side, the Della Rovere Chapel, and those date to the 1480s. One more Caravaggio church is Sant'Agostino, which is back backtracking towards 
Piazza Navona, it's very close to San Luigi dei Francesi. So those three churches, Santa Maria della Pace, San Luigi dei Francesi, and Sant'Agostino can easily be seen. There are probably less than one minute walking between them. Uh, and what you want to find in Sant'Agostino Church is the Cavalletti Chapel, which is the first on the left-hand side. The altar piece from this chapel was painted by Caravaggio in 1604, and it depicts the Madonna di Loreto, also known as the Madonna of the Pilgrims. Incredibly moving, incredibly beautiful. I think my number one favorite Caravaggio painting of all time, probably. And that church is is always almost empty. I mean, if you don't come during a mass, because actually there is quite a, a large congregation at that church. I've sometimes happened to be there when mass was going on. So you'll, if you come at the time of mass, first of all, they don't, they don't really like you to visit at the time of the mass. So avoid that if you can, but you will see lots of people at that time. But if you are not there during mass, the church is usually nearly empty. There are not the big crowds around the chapel as there are at San Luigi dei Francesi and Santa Maria del Popolo. So you can really get a good look at the painting and stand there really as long as you like. There's also a very small bit of a Raphael painting in that in that church as well on one of the pilasters, also on the left-hand side. I think it's the third pilaster on the left is a fresco of Isaiah, the prophet, by Raphael. It's such a random thing to see this one little bit. I, I don't know if it was ever part of something greater, but right now it's just Isaiah, just there, looking down at you, looking also very Michelangelo-esque, looking a lot like the paintings in the Sistine Chapel. Lastly, skipping ahead another 75 years or so, Sant'Ignazio di Loyola. Now the artist in question, Andrea Pozzo, is not quite as famous as the artists that I've mentioned up to this point, but I do think that the ceiling frescoes in that church are worth seeing. Andrea Pozzo was famous for his use of trompe l'oeil, optical illusions. So when you stand on one of the star shapes on the, on the floor, on the, on the nave, and you look up, you see a vaulted, a barrel vaulted ceiling that looks much, much taller than it actually is because of the use of columns painted with foreshortening. And it's really, it's really spectacular and it really does trick you. There's also a false dome. If it's lit properly, will make you believe at least for at least the first time you look at it that it's an actual dome when when in reality it is painted on a flat canvas stretched across the circular space where the dome would be so those were painted around 1685 i'm going to give one honorable mention here now the i wanted to talk about places that were all free that you could just walk into no reservation no tickets no payment um, and that is the case for all the ones I have talked about thus far. But I cannot talk about amazing, beautiful art in churches without at least mentioning Pietro Cavallini's Last Judgment in Santa Cecilia in Trastevere. This fresco that was done between 1295 and 1300 by basically the Roman artist who is the very first artist whose, whose name is ever recorded in Roman art, anything past antiquity at least. Um, up until at that point, really, everything was anonymous. So if he was the first guy who had his name remembered, that just gives you a hint as to how important he was. The fresco is stunning. It's so unlike 
anything that you see really will see in Rome. Um, the problem is that when they restored the church, which sadly Santa Cecilia in Trastevere was heavily restored in the 1700s, they built an entire choir um, against the inner part of the facade, the inner part of the front wall. So you can't see it from the inside of the church. If you just look up, you're going to see this enormous organ. So what you have to do is, before you walk into the church, once you are in the courtyard but not within the church itself, there's a tiny little staircase to the left of the entrance. Climb that staircase, ring the bell. One of the Benedictine nuns will answer if you come at the right time. I, I believe it's something like between 9.30 in the morning and 12.30 on weekdays. Uh, you cannot see it in the afternoon. They are so friendly and so sweet. There's only a couple of them left. And for two euros and 50 cents, they will accompany you up a little rickety elevator to this very small, to basically the, where the choir sings. I don't know if the choir sings there anymore, but when they used to, all of those frescoes were hidden really inside the choir section. So they'll take you up there. You are not allowed to take photographs, although I've seen lots of people sneak photographs up there. I was not able to, but it is so worth it. And it's just, it's such a delightful thing to do because you really feel like you're in on this really wonderful secret that most people don't get to see. So honorable mention because it's not free, but really for two euros 50, it's a steal. I'm curious to know if you guys enjoyed this type of bittersweet moment. If you want to hear more, I have plans to do other roundups of free art in churches. So if you like this, let us know. Write to us. Tell us if you enjoy this type of mini episode, and I will make sure to do more. Thanks so much for listening. Join us again. Support the show by wearing a Bittersweet Life t-shirt or socks or even a Bittersweet Life face mask. We have merch, and you might find your new favorite mug by visiting thebittersweetlife.net. Click on support to explore the merch catalog. And have fun!